Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rock and Retrospect. I'm your host, Nick Bamback. Today, I'm joined by two former guests, two guests who absolutely love movies as much as I do. Our first former guest, he was on the Smiths episode. It's Darren Hines. And the second guest was on our Rob Zombie episode that we did for Halloween last year. It's the great Peter Waters. How's it going, guys? It's going good. Happy to be here. Oh, you guys rock, <laughs> literally. So I asked Peter and Darren to be guests again today because it's Oscar season and something that we all follow are the Academy Awards, especially when the nominees are announced. And I was trying to think of a way to fit the Oscars into this podcast. And what I decided to do was I wanted to focus on the two music categories. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the best original score and best original song nominees. And we're going to kind of give a little bit of information about who's nominated, give some analysis, maybe discuss some songs and scores that were snubbed and our personal favorites. And then at the very end, we're going to have our verdicts to say who we think will win. So it's going to be a blast, I think, today, especially for listeners who love the movies and the Oscars as much as we do. So let's get started on our discussion. Let's go over the best original score nominees. Darren, would you like to read the nominees for us? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, so five nominees for best original score Academy Award in 2022 are Don't Look Up, Nicholas Bertel, Dune, Hans Zimmer, Encanto, Jermaine Franco, Parallel Mothers, Alberto Iglesias, and The Power of the Dog, Johnny Greenwood. Excellent nominees this year. This is the one thing I'll probably emphasize with both categories. The competition is so stiff this year that it's just it's just incredible. And it's not to say that in prior years get subpar, but it's just it's literally like pick your poison. It's all wonderful artists and musicians. But thank you so much for sharing that, Darren, about who the best original score nominees are. Were there any thoughts you guys had on any particular score to start our conversation? Well, as always, I would say that for me personally, my favorite score amongst these nominees was uh, Dune, uh, Hans Zimmer's nomination for Dune. When he does scores, there's a certain gravity and a bombast to it. That is a huge part of uh, what makes Dune work is the, the way that all of the elements blend together, especially the technicals. Um, the performances, there's uh, as far as acting goes, other than um, the lead actress, there aren't any really distinctly unique performances. Everyone is kind of okay, but uh, the technical aspects of this is what makes this a great movie, and the the score is a huge part of that. And it's interesting because on a former episode of this podcast, you did Toto, right? right. And Toto did score for the original David Lynch Dune adaptation, and in this one. It almost sounds like a religious sound, like um, like spiritual. There's like female whispery voices. And he actually invented a lot of instruments for this specific score that never existed just to get the sound he wanted. So it's very experimental, but in a very different way from the last movie. The, the whole backstory is fascinating because this was filmed at the early stages of the pandemic and he spent a week in Utah to try to incorporate some of the sounds from that environment or landscape. And then did he have like something on FaceTime, Peter, like he recorded? Yeah, uh, specific. This is not common, but for the trailer for Dune specifically, not even the movie, normally um, for a trailer, it will just have, you know, tracks from the score or like a placement song or something like that. But Hans Zimmer recorded a special 
uh, cover of Pink Floyd's Eclipse just for the trailer. And he had a 32-person choir sing for it. And he had to record them in eight-person chunks over FaceTime from his home. So they really went all out for this score. Like, I think Hans Zimmer can kind of do whatever he wants. He's like the biggest name in movie scores now. In fact, a few years ago, I saw him in concert. And it was basically like a rock concert for movie music. And his background is actually in rock music. And he was like a keyboardist in like a bunch of new wave bands. And you can Hmm. see him in the background of the music video for Video Killed the Radio Star actually. So yeah, he brings this sort of rock, you know, percussion heavy uh, keyboard background. I think it's interesting too, because he's worked on so many movies. I think it was like 150 Mm. to 200 movies and iconic movies like The Dark Knight, Inception, The Lion King. His name is like so iconic too. Like even if you don't know the name offhand, you know the music, even like I would say one of the most accessible and widely known composers of the last i don't know three or four decades yeah he's right up there with john williams totally he's worked with the director too before right didn't he do um one of the blade runner movies 2049 i think yes yeah his like main collaborator though is christopher nolan who did like the dark knight and in fact he had to um (laughs) he was originally going to do the movie tenet for christopher nolan but he left that project to do Dune because he was such a huge fan of the book and wanted to put his like stamp on, you know, this new version of it. The score itself, like for Dune, because I was trying to listen to some of the tracks to prepare for this episode, I noticed something that Hans Zimmer does that he's just a master of is he creates like, this landscape and it mm. kind of just ripples throughout the whole thing. So it takes about a two or three minutes to kind of lead up to something. But when it does, it's absolutely over- overpowering and it's just incredible. Yeah. And if you know the story of Dune, like rhythm plays a huge aspect in it because the sandworm creatures on the planet of Arrakis, like in order to avoid them basically eating you because there are these giant sandworms, you have to walk with this irregular rhythm so they Mm. don't detect that it's like a human being walking across the sand. So there's like this musical quality just inherent in the story. And I think that always makes for a really good movie score when the content of the movie informs, you know, how they wrote the music. Yeah. Like uh, the way you're talking about um, Zimmer's score for inception does that on so many levels because it's the same basic beat, but it's being presented in like three different rhythms throughout the three different time um, speeds that uh, the, within the dreams, within the dreams. And uh, it's always the same, uh, same score, but um, it's slowed down to a crawl where it just sounds like a long monotonous note. And it's uh, just fantastic. Yeah. Zimmer is, is great. He really is. I think he's just one of the best composers of the last half century. So prolific. And the movies are so ingrained in popular culture. Yeah. And it's weird to think he only won one Oscar out of a dozen mm. nominations too. Oh, yeah. Just, what was the one that he won for? Wasn't it like The Lion King? Yep. Okay. Yeah. But but I mean, if you look at the other movies he was nominated for, it's like Gladiator and Inception mm. and Dundurk and The Prince of Egypt. Like these are all like really- Dark Knight, I think, right? I don't think he was nominated for that one, really? if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Crazy I mean, enough, he was not nominated. Well, that one, I think there was a weird technicality because oh. he co-wrote it with James Newton Howard that year. And 
I don't know, edit this out if this isn't true later on, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure they disqualified it because it was like a weird co-writing thing and they like disqualified it on a technicality or something. Yeah, I think it's just bizarre because that was such a hugely important movie because I remember vividly when that movie came out, it didn't get a Best Picture nomination. And that's actually one of the reasons why they had to restructure like the Best Picture category because it's kind of like this is one of the most successful movies of all time, not even that year, but like ever. And for the Academy to kind of just not even put it as one of the five Best Picture nominees that year is like insane Mm -hmm. and then i'm trying to think of that year like something like the reader which i don't know about you guys that's just a movie that i thought was kind of like mediocre i'm thinking Mm -hmm. the dark knight is such a better movie like you're going to talk about the dark knight 20 30 40 years later you're not Mm going to talk about the reader unless you're going to say kate winslet won an oscar no just to that movie but it's just it boggles your mind a little 95 percent of the people who have seen the reader have already forgotten what it's about (laughs) <laughs> they've chosen to read the fact that somebody somebody was reading that's all they know this is the first time the reader's been mentioned in probably like <laughs> five years no probably in uh, fact as we're recording this i have a dark knight poster right over my head <laughs> you do so, yeah but we can't see the other side of your chair so there might be a reader the reader poster as well so. <laughs> that's great yes Kate winslet with a book and an underage boy <laughs> oh yes well, yeah, the Dark Knight being snubbed for Best Picture was the reason why the mm-hmm. following year, and still to this day, we have 10 Best Picture nominees oh, yeah. because they want that everyone was so upset that it wasn't nominated that it yeah. completely changed the Oscars after that. Literally Absolutely. the exact reason. Let's move on to talk about Don't Look Up. Let's mm. talk about that score for a minute. Okay, so the, so the composer of that... Uh, okay, so just a quick side note. I've been watching the show Succession with Peter because it's a show we have always wanted to see, but sometimes, at least for me, at least I'll speak for myself, I have to have a reason to watch a TV show and it's hard to just get into new TV shows. And I remember about a month or two ago, Peter said, oh, I'm going to watch Succession. And I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to see it. So we kind of watched it at the same time. And it's just a really funny back and forth. But we ended up watching all three seasons. I think it's honestly one of the best shows of the last decade, if not my favorite show. It's just incredible, multi-layered. And he does the score for that. And just for that reason, I want him to win for Don't Look Up. I mean, it's one of the greatest TV. TV show theme songs, I think, ever. I never skip it anytime I watch an episode. It's so good. And it's just, it fits that show perfectly. And I, what I love about Succession is that they take that score, right? And then they kind of use it in different ways and it's still effective. And to me, those are the absolute yeah. best scores. So just for that, <laughs> I want him to win for Don't Look well, Up. Even though it has nothing yeah, to do with it. It's impossible to not bring that up when you talk about Nicholas Bertel. I mean, it's the most famous thing that he's done. Absolutely. And he's worked with Barry Jenkins because he was nominated for Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk. So he's he has Oscar nominations behind him. And he's very young, too. He's only like 40. It's something insane. But I like this score because it kind of fits that movie because it's such a chaotic movie and it's about the end of the world and all this sort of stuff. I really like how it's rooted in jazz, which is to me based on like improvisation and it's creating these chaotic sounds to try to make sense of something. And I think that's kind of fits perfectly with this kind of narrative that Adam McKay was going for. Yeah. In fact, when they were writing the score, the question that they had, the sort of two things they had in their mind as they wrote it is, what if we lost World War II? That's a question Adam McKay asked. (laughs) And in that era, that's where the sort of big band sound comes from. And then also 
they wanted to capture the anxiety of the main character, the DiCaprio character, who's like desperately trying to get everyone to believe him that there's an asteroid about to hit Earth. And, you know, all the politicians, they just ignore it and the media and everything. uh, They're not looking up at the sky at what's right in front of them. And so they have this almost schizophrenic sound sound where there's like so many different instruments. I wrote down a list here. It says they have a full string orchestra, brass, woodwinds, flutes, harps, celestas, pianos, a toy piano, half a dozen saxophones, a farfisa organ, which I don't know what that is, and a large bass synthesizer. So it's like this very eclectic sound that I think works with the story. Absolutely. And I think he mentions in that same interview, Adam McKay, he kept saying the word anxiety and Mm. paranoia. It's kind of just very interesting how it kind of perfectly fits this movie because the whole movie is satirical, but it's also tried to also bring out important messages about like the environment and larger political and social issues. And it kind of weirdly works, but I can't think of another score offhand that uses a toy piano as an, (laughs) as an instrument. That's just amazing. And Nicholas Bertel also wrote the song in the movie, just look up as sung by Grande. It was a snub for best original song as well, because that was on the short list. Um, But that song really gets to the heart of the singer just saying, everybody listen and everyone's enjoying the music, but not listening to the words, which I think is, (laughs) I don't know, it symbolizes society as we're living it right now. I think it's funny that the song is called Just Look Up and the movie's called Don't Look Up. But because Don't Look Up was the slogan that the politicians made up to try and get people to not look up in the sky and try and see them, their meteor. So the... Just Look Up was the counter to that. So it was a protest song. Right. It just made me laugh because I looked at it before I saw the movie and I was like, huh, like usually it's called the same name as the movie. So yeah, it will just uh, be laugh. We'll definitely talk about Just Look Up when we get to the song snubs, because uh, that one was one that was very much considered a high front runner to to make it onto the uh, nominee list for best original song. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that it's a really great score that he he composed for Don't Look Up. I really enjoyed it. That was actually one of my favorite ones that just took me by surprise. Because when you like link it to the movie, it, you wouldn't think it at first, but it really, it, it's, it's just a really great, powerful uh, score. Okay, let's talk about Encanto next. Do you guys have any thoughts on Encanto? Well, it's really interesting that Jermaine Franco, the composer, is only the sixth woman ever nominated in the category for best score and she's actually the first woman ever apparently to score a disney film which is pretty incredible she did do a little bit of work on um coco before this but she wasn't the official score writer that was michael giacchino it's kind of unbelievable that it took 60 movies from disney animation studio to have a woman be the composer Yeah, that doesn't seem like the uh, Disney model of progression. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. And that's why I'm rooting for her to win, because it would make history. I mean, it's such a Mm. groundbreaking animated movie to begin with, and it's such a huge movie at the moment. But yeah, it's really a wonderful score. And I thought, for me, when I was listening to it this morning, I kept thinking about the classic Disney 
animated movies. I kept thinking like The Lion King and The Little Mermaid. Like not that they're exactly the same thing, but it just had that reminiscence to it. Like that that same spirit that I felt with the score. And I I really enjoyed it. It's so upbeat and it's so it makes you happy almost when you when you're listening to it. Yeah, it also has like a very strong like percussion uh, base to it because Jermaine Franco, she actually started as like a drummer and she cites as her influences 70s bands like Steely Dan, Foreigner and Chicago, believe it or not. And yeah, she also shipped in like traditional Colombian instruments as well from like the specific regions of Colombia to perform on the score. So yeah, I think if there's like a really good rhythm to it, it's probably because that's her m- main background. That makes sense because she grew up in Texas and like she'd mm-hmm. be exposed to that music and grew up with yep. that music. So it makes sense. And I love that you brought up some of the classic rock bands of the 70s. And we just did an episode on Foreigner. So that makes me so happy to hear. Um, did you have thoughts on it, Darren? Uh, yeah, like a, a lot of the same things. Uh, it's a very, very musical song. Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda's um, songs and the uh, the up tempo score. Uh, it's um, very, very enjoyable movie. Uh, it doesn't strike me as um, as distinct as something like Dune or uh, The Power of the Dog, but uh, I can definitely see how it would be nominated. And uh, I'd be surprised if it won, but uh, yeah, it's very good. I feel like of these choices, and not that I want to rush to the verdict, this seems like the most populous one of the five scores, at least for me, in terms of like, because it's Disney and it's coming from, it's upbeat. And I don't know, there's just something about it that I could easily see it winning. I wouldn't bet on it, but I could also yeah. kind of see how it appeals to different I would honestly bet against I would honestly bet against it. <laughs> it's okay. That's difference of opinion, but... I don't know. It just seems like one of those scores, like it kind of could work in its favor or it couldn't. But, you know, we shall see at the end of the month. It's the only straight musical on the list, too. So right. um, I don't know if that factors into it. I just thought Disney did really well in these music categories. So I thought it had at least a decent shot. Not that, like, I don't know if I would put money on it, but I thought it's and plus being the first woman to win for a Disney movie. I think that would also help maybe some voters. Put money I'm on it, sure. just so long as I win. Well, <laughs> yeah. wasn't the first woman winner for Joker just a few I years so. ago? I think I'm not so. sure she's the first, but she that was uh, a woman that composed that movie. Okay. I believe so. I'm not 100% sure. But let's talk about Parallel Mothers. I really enjoy the score, too. This is... Have um, either of you seen Parallel Mothers? I have. I managed to see it. I, I got to see it on uh, the Film Independent streaming app because it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film for uh, the Independent Spirit Awards. But I'm also going to have an opportunity to possibly see it next week when it's at the uh, State Theater in Sioux Falls. Ooh, so, yeah. very cool. I, I think it's a been... very good movie. And um, the score is ex- is excellent. Uh, Iglesias has worked with uh, Almodovar uh, for like 25 years. It's a Oh, long yeah. lasting partnership. And, you know, he has his troop of actors and his troop of uh, staff that he likes to work with. So you got your Antonio Banderas and Penelope Cruz in the Daniel, pretty much all of his movies. And uh, yeah, I think uh, this was uh, a very uh, distinct and uh, interesting score. Ironically, it's the first one where he's nominated with him. And I think that that's fascinating because his other mm. nominations were like The Constant Gardener and Tinker Taylor. 
Soldier Spy and The Kite Runner. So it's really interesting that that long partnership he had with the director, it actually, this is the first nomination. I've not seen it yet. I've wanted to see it. It's just, it hasn't (laughs) been playing anywhere near where I am right now. And I don't think it's streaming anywhere at the moment. So no, not yet. I'm probably not going to be able to watch until after the Oscars. But it's one I really do want to see because I think Penelope Cruz always does a phenomenal job in his movies. And she's nominated this year for Best Actress. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. kind of surprised that this movie wasn't nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, even yeah. though it has two other nominations for both Best Score and Best lead actress i don't know one of those weird it's particularly strange because the academy award love they they love pedro almodovar so like it's surprising that they nominated the 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 yak in the classroom movie in particular but uh from what i've heard that's a really good film so maybe they just wanted to try something different but yeah it was very surprising that it didn't get nominated because um i remember leading up to discussions there was talk that you know Maldemar might even sneak in as a best director nominee so. i'm more surprised it didn't get i mean i think it should have gotten probably a foreign language or international movie nomination i'm more surprised it didn't get a screenplay nomination because he also does really yeah. well in those nominations too even if he oh, didn't yeah. get the director nomination because he usually does and- at least because he got one for like talk to her and mm-hmm. I can't think of any others offhand, but I know he definitely does well in that. It is very much a screenplay dependent story because the premise of this movie is borderline ridiculous. It is like something out of a telenovela. They make it work and they make it compelling in a remarkable way. Really? Yeah. I know I want to watch oh, it yes. more. Yeah, yeah, basically, basically the premise of it is that these two single mothers meet in a hospital room as they're giving birth. And well, I don't want to spoil what happens, yeah. but it's sort of like strangers on a train where it's like two strangers meet and their lives become interlocked in ways that are very surprising and shocking. Yes. And it's very much like a soap opera, but it's like one of the best written soap operas you can have. Oh, yes. Where they like tie in both this story, but also like Spanish history and the Spanish yeah, Civil yeah. War and archaeology. It's like very like weirdly crafted, but I thought it was a good movie. He's a master filmmaker, so I totally believe that. And he's- But if you if you took the plot of the movie and written it down in a two cents summary on a piece of paper, it would be as ridiculous as anything this side of malignant from 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm looking forward to it, but I really love the score for it. And it's mm, just yes. oh, really yeah. one that I would, it took me by surprise because I was, you know, when you listen to scores, it's kind of hard if you haven't seen the movies yet. So you, you don't have that right connection Context. to it. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I liked what I heard and he's an excellent filmmaker and he's still making groundbreaking innovative movies. So. And this was a surprise nominee. This was not on a lot of the predictions radar for something that would get on there. So it was a surprise. It was nominated for a Golden Globe, which I was surprised by. But that was like the first indication that it could yeah. possibly get nominated. True. Right. Yeah. And the Golden Globes are a hot mess at the yeah. moment. They didn't so. even have a TV. Sh- uh, they didn't even oh. have a broadcast this year because <laughs> they're just going through a lot of random controversies. We don't have time for. Oh no, Not this could problem. be an entire episode on a different podcast that just kind of discusses all the trials and tribulations of mm-hmm. the Golden Globes. Cause it's just, just when you think something can get worse, it gets even worse. And it's yeah. like off the cliff, terrible. Some of the <laughs> things that have happened with them let's talk about our final score and that's the power of the dog uh johnny greenwood 
let's talk about this. Now, where, what, where, uh, where do we know this name from? Like, he's, it sounds familiar. Well, I mean, other than the numerous, numerous great scores that he's done, he was the guitarist from Radiohead. Yeah, or a little is. band called Radiohead. He was but, uh, named the 48th greatest guitarist by Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. So, absolutely. And he's created some iconic guitarists. I mean, even yes. Creep. Like, it's one of those mm-hmm. songs that you only have to hear that one riff and you know exactly who it is and what band it is. And yeah. I will say, I think I'm so happy for Greenwood's nomination because he's done mm-hmm. excellent, excellent work oh, with yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like he, they're finally kind of taking him more seriously as like a film composer. Like he's done it for many years, mm-hmm. but it feels like it's more validation. Like, okay, like this guy it's, is a legit force. His, his score for, um, uh, there will be blood is uh, one of the game changing original scores of the last 30 years. I mean, he oh, yeah. like that along with uh, Trent Reznor's uh, and Atticus Ross's uh, score for the social network. were like the two basically revolutionary um, scores of uh, recent filmmaking. I can't remember. I think he was nominated for uh, there will be blood, but he didn't win. But this year he was he everywhere. I mean, he was he he not only composed Power of the Dog, but he also composed Spencer and Licorice Pizza, both of which are excellent scores. Uh, there's a lot of talk about him maybe getting nominated twice for this award uh, for Spencer, but uh, that didn't really fizzle out. Spencer came more of like a critic's play rather than like uh, the Academy didn't really like it all as much. Didn't Trev Reznor get two nominations for score oh, yeah. last year? So it's possible it could have happened. Oh yeah, it's possible. It just it didn't happen. It's not it's not against the rules for it to happen. It just didn't happen because they nominated right. other people. Oh no, absolutely. No, and it's not like actor or actress where it's one per category. Um, what did you have thoughts on Power of the Dog, Peter? Like the score that Johnny Greenwood composed? Yeah, I think it's a great score as well. It's very like uneasy, I would say is the word to describe it. The movie <laughs> is about this very awkward, like it's sort of like a play with four people in the old West and just very uncomfortable dynamic mm-hmm. between these four people. And um, <clears throat> music also plays a huge role in this film as well. Uh, you have the main, one of the main characters, I believe her name is Rose played by Kirsten Dunst. She tries to play uh, the piano and she has trouble. She's mediocre at it. And she feels kind of like uncomfortable about playing it in front of people. But then you have the sort of villain of the movie played by Benedict Cumberbatch and he can like flawlessly play the banjo. And there's one scene in the movie. That's probably my favorite one where she is attempting to play this one song. And then he is strumming the banjo perfectly the same thing that she is and it's just this very unsettling moment in the movie and i just love how they can tell the story through no dialogue or anything just pure music Mm. adds tension to that scene and and music is so important in jane champion's uh movies like the piano like that's like her probably her other most famous movie where you know music plays a vital role and i'm now thinking like that would be such an interesting topic to think about um, oh, with yeah. her movies, yeah, um, uh, the atmosphere that the uh, score creates and enhances in the film—it's uh, it, it's perfect for what this uh, trying to tell because it's just a story about how one person and his ego can like make everything impossible for everyone else and destroy everything around them just by the presence of one individual. And the score is very upsetting and unsettling, and uh, that really works in its favor. Absolutely, and I. 
really enjoyed it. I think it's just such a wonderful score. It got, I think, the most nominations this year, right? Yes. Yeah. It, and it has so much, so much momentum. Doesn't it have mind. 12? Doesn't it have 12 nominations this year? That's tremendous. I mean, the all-time record is all about Eve with 14. Um, I think La La Land might have tied it, but 12 nominations these days uh, in, in the last 10 years is incredibly rare. And I think something else just to point out about Johnny Greenwood is if he wins the Academy Award, he's, of course, inducted into the <coughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of Radiohead, but just a few other rock stars who've won Academy Awards that are also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame include Bruce Springsteen. Elton John, Phil Collins, Bob Dylan, Prince, Stevie Wonder, Trent Reznor, and so many more. Um, Atticus Ross is technically inducted with Nine Inch Nails as well. Oh, yeah. I was just listing a few. I think even David Byrne might have an Academy Award, if I'm not mistaken. And well, Randy Newman has one, too. Right. But there's so many others. And then this year, if they do hypothetically get inducted into Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. People like Annie Lennox and Carly Simon could also join that exclusive mm-hmm. club as well. I don't know if I listed everyone, but no. that's a pretty good company to be a part of for sure. Yep. And I think it's likely going to happen for him, if not now, probably very soon. See, they'll have to expand the EGOT to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as well. <laughs> that, that acronym is going to have to add an R somewhere to it. It'll be the, re- <laughs> it'll be the REGOT. <laughs> the regat. Oh, that's that's awesome. Let's transition to talk about the best original song nominees because this is one oh. I have a lot of thoughts on. Peter, yes. would you like to announce the five nominees this year? All right. So first up we have the song Down to Joy, performed and written by Van Morrison from the movie Belfast. Then we have Dos. Oroguitas, uh, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda from Disney's Encanto. Then we have Somehow You Do, written by Diane Warren, one of the biggest losers of the Oscars ever, uh, performed by Reba McIntyre from the movie Four Good Days. Then we have Be Alive, performed by the one and only Queen Bee Beyonce, the movie King Richard. And we also have No Time to Die from the latest Bond movie, performed by Billie Eilish. A really strong list of nominees this year. Like they're all heavyweights in some Mm -hmm. regard. That's why I actually wanted to do this episode was because it's such stiff competition. You know, it's like if any of them were just nominated by themselves, they would probably win. Like if it was just Beyonce or just Billie Eilish or even Lin-Manuel or Miranda, it's like, Mm -hmm. good God, the sheer amount of talent. But not Van Morrison. There's no way in hell they're giving him an Oscar <laughs> for that boring ass song. No, it's not. I liked that song. Well, it's Actually, a fine song, but it's not distinct enough to win. Despite if it's somebody like as controversial as Van Morrison, your song needs to be much better than everything else if you're going to win. It's not. <laughs> Actually, let's talk about that song first because yeah. I think it's really interesting because I watched Belfast actually last night. Cause I finally got a copy of it and mm-hmm. I loved it. I thought it was a really, really yeah. powerful movie. And I am, I especially love, especially it. the ending, especially oh. the ending when Judy Dench earned her uh, supporting actress nomination with her line reading at the end, Judy Dench uh, with her, um, her line at the end for those who left and those who stayed. Um, that's just that movie in a nutshell. That is, 
the essence of the movie and it is just the beautiful heartbreaking theme of the uh, the entire thing uh belfast is a is a decent movie it's it's not it shouldn't be a best picture contender but um i, I feel as though it's probably in the upper half as far as chance of winning uh, the song itself it's it's just it's not the worst nominee but it doesn't really strike me as a particularly great song as far as among the nominees, but this is a very unpredictable category. But if there's one thing I could say with certainty, it's that down to joy is not going to win this award. I don't know. I mean, Van Morrison's such a legendary figure in popular music of the last 60 years that. And what's he been up to the last 10 years in the public eye? He doesn't have to though, because he's Van Morrison. No, I mean, he is in the public eye. He is shooting his mouth off left and right about all kinds of things. The Academy hates. Right. But I'm saying like the, the name alone and the critical claim compared to Beyonce. Well, no, my point is, is that he's a legendary singer songwriter and he's composed some of the greatest music ever. And how much of that name recognition might actually help him. I think this story of the song itself is really interesting because a lot of people claim that it's kind of a ripoff of one of his other songs from like the early 70s. Mm. And what was the title of that, Peter? I forgot the name of it offhand. It's like Coming Down to something. I forget what it is too, but it was like almost the same title as another one of his songs. Like Coming Down to Joy. I think that's what it's called. Which yeah, is this one weird. is Down to Joy. It's literally almost the same title, but just <laughs> add in a word, essentially. I think it fits it really well, this song, because like we've all three of us have seen the movie, they use a lot of Van Morrison songs, like oh, Jackie yeah. Wilson said, and Warm Love. And it's really important to the story because Van Morrison's from that area. And that is probably, I'll say, probably the most famous Irish star at that time, like rock star at that time was him so it kind of makes sense that those would be the songs for for that setting yeah because wouldn't his music have been like playing on the radio during this time period like the 60s in ireland when all the civil war turmoil was going on he was kind of the soundtrack to people's Mm -hmm. lives at the time so i think it's kind of this poetic full circle thing the fact that he you know wrote a lot of the songs for the soundtrack for this movie and yeah. he talks a lot about like his songs, especially like, Astral Weeks and Moon Dance and those albums. Like they're all about Irish culture and history and religion. So it kind of perfectly encapsulates everything that's going on in the world of Belfast. And mm-hmm. I- I'll be honest, Darren, I actually really like this song. And I and I think it's because oh, I really like love it. Van Morrison and he's one of my favorite artists. Problematic figure aside, because yeah. some of the things he said, I was like, yeah, he's definitely he's not the easiest guy to like and right. that's why i'm more surprised the nomination ever happened given all of that but he's a legend and i don't know i just really enjoyed it and i think it's amazing that he contributed something to a modern movie like this because he doesn't have mm-hmm. to do anything like if he stopped at 1980 he doesn't have to it's almost like he he reminds me of someone almost like a Bob Dylan, like Bob Dylan doesn't have to do anything, but they still make music and they still go out there and because they're just great artists. So he I don't know. Actu- 
he actually did another did another original song for or it was a, a version of his song sweet thing or, or whatever for mm-hmm. a movie that was nominated for the independent spirit awards for i think screenplay or something like that and uh, it was featured prominently in that film as well which is kind of a interesting and random note yeah i i really like this song <clears throat> i just i don't know there's just something about it and i, I think i'm biased because i do like his music mm-hmm. a lot uh, so did do you I, to... but he's, he just doesn't have a chance of winning this award. We'll see. Uh, Peter, did Ooh. you have any thoughts on Down the Joy? I enjoyed the song. I liked the sort of like jazzy, old school quality to it. Like, honestly, it sounds like a song that would have been written decades ago. And, right. you know, as someone who's not a huge listener of modern music, I tend to like older music. I mm-hmm. feel like an old soul when it comes to like listening to music. I appreciated that. It had that retro feel to it. Yeah. It definitely sounds like something that could have easily been on one of his albums in like 69 mm-hmm. or 70. And that's why I think <laughs> if where the accusation is. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. But I think that nostalgia could also help mm-hmm. him a little too, especially because mm-hmm. the Oscar voting body is so much skewed older or the skews older. Mm-hmm. So I think it could easily help him. And just the name recognition of Van Morrison could easily sure. help him. Not say that he's will win, but it only helps him. Mm-hmm. Although uh, problematic uh, yeah. <laughs> personality aside, well, I don't I, know. I, just, I don't see a narrative for him winning. And the other four, no matter how likely or unlikely it is that they'll win, the other four all have a narrative that's a really great story for why they might get um, the votes. Does, does it feel that. like sometimes that the best original song winners, it does seem random sometimes? or is it Sometimes, just yeah, usually. They don't do a very good job most of the time. It's no. it's kind of the Grammys new Best New Artist Award equivalent from the Grammys, where it's just like you look back on it and think, how in the hell did they pick that instead of all of these other great nominees? And why wasn't this even nominated? I always think of Sam Smith for Spectre, like that <laughs> song. Okay, it's not that like it's a that bad song. song, but like I looked at the other nominees that year and I was like astounded that you are not the only one who has thought that. That was a very common reaction when it happened. No, it was, but I was like very surprised because I just didn't think much of it. I mean, Adele did such a wonderful job with Skyfall and absolutely deserved right. her Oscar. I don't know how much of it wrote on the coattails of that. But it's just that's just a one example of many where I'm just like, OK, I guess that's the best original song. Well, it's winner. kind of interesting because if Billie Eilish wins for No Time to Die, it would be the third Bond movie in a row to win best song at the Oscars. So <laughs> if you want to win a, a Oscar, I guess uh, contact the Broccoli Brothers in charge of the <laughs> Bond franchise. Well, it's, it's That's kind of ironic because, I mean, the Bond theme songs have always been iconic, but then. Not until they rebooted it like 10 years ago did they start winning Oscars. It's weird because they were nominated for Oscars before that. And actually, yeah. let's transition to talk about Billie Eilish's No Time yeah. to Die because I think that, of course, we're going to discuss it, but I think it's the perfect transition to talk about yeah. it. And I think you're right, Darren, because it's they had other songs from Bond movies mm-hmm. nominated in the past, like Nobody Does It Better and The Book of Love or Live and Let die it's like these are like pretty iconic songs too but it's weird in the last like decade that Mm -hmm. it seems like bond movie songs are doing so well and i'm not sure what to make of that phenomenon but it's great well i mean they're just hooking up with more popular artists now i think that this um no time to die is the best of the five songs as far as like my favorite of the five songs kind of by a lot and i think it's also the front runner for the actual oscar i think that uh they're 
Billie Eilish. That song has been in the mainstream pop culture for two years. And it's, it was a huge hit when it first came out. And the movie kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And then when it finally came out and it got nominated, it's um, I think it's the front runner. And if they're going to go with what they actually think is the best song instead of for uh, a different narrative, I think Billie Eilish is uh, going to win this one. Yeah, she already won a Grammy for this song. So yeah. Yeah. What was the Grammy that she ended up winning for that out of curiosity? I think was it's it- just like best song in a, film or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. But it's so funny because it wasn't even released yet or was yeah, it? it? The uh she won a Grammy <laughs> for that song six months before the movie was released. Which <laughs> right. Is that's incredible. what it was. Because I was yes. gonna say like I know there's some weird stipulation behind it. She's that good guys that she doesn't you didn't have to see the <laughs> damn movie. She just give her the Grammy and they well, it was released her. as a single a year before the movie came out. Right. At least and by the way, I have to plug this movie because it was my number one of the year and not enough people have seen it. But the documentary, oh. Billie Eilish, The World's a Little Blurry, you get to see behind the scenes her and her brother Phineas writing this song and oh, wow. going from a blank page till completion. And it's that documentary is so, so good. It's on Apple TV Plus right now. I recommend it to everyone. Uh, it's a really interesting look inside her creative process and all of her sort of problems she goes with being this teenager who's also one of the most famous people on the planet. And yeah, just one small part of that narrative is writing this song. So I'm really stunned that that wasn't a best documentary nominee yeah. it got so much momentum it felt like Do- documentary is a weird category for the oscars they oh, yeah. very rarely Nub nominate City. the best ones they there's one documentary called the rescue that i thought was mm. a shoe-in to win oh, about yeah. like the boys soccer team in thailand that got rescued from these thousands of uh volunteers and mm-hmm. it didn't get nominated and every year there's always like one huge documentary yeah. like the uh Mr. Rogers documentary that yeah. just Which, everyone know. thinks it's going to win. And then it's not nominated. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Or uh, Dick Johnson is dead last year. Or there's actually a hand, like three or four great documentaries that people expected to possibly win that weren't even nominated. And then they give it to the octopus movie. <laughs> it's so bizarre how it works out sometimes yeah. with their categories. And one of them, I always think hmm. it's always the biggest question mark is documentaries for me. Right. And also song. That's why I'm always curious about mm-hmm. the best original song nominees. And I will say this is a hit song. So people are like, know the song because of course she's one of the biggest pop stars in the world. And I just think that it it helps to have someone who's as relevant as Billie Eilish. And she's so young. So this like really Mm -hmm. helps solidify and even more her like star power and her legacy. And it's just absolutely great song. It's just well-structured, well-written and just has a sweep to it that uh, a lot of the other nominees don't. She's the youngest person to ever record a Bond song, too. She made it at 18 years old. Jeez. And she's only what 20 a- <laughs> right now. So that would have to be yeah. one of the youngest winners ever if she does win. So if you're listening, ask yourself what you're doing with your life. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, 20 year olds, get your act together. She has two documentaries about her that came out last year. <laughs> And she holds like Guinness World Records and she's literally listed on something that I always think is really interesting. Like when Spin Magazine did, I think last year, their 35 most influential artists of the last 35 years, she was on the list. I think she's like 34, 33, something on the lower end. But it's pretty amazing because she was only out for like two years or three years really as like a major mainstream artist. So it's like... Debut was a beast of an album. Yeah, it's just... 
amazing. But yeah, I think just that notoriety of the Bond movies and her name, it only helps her with this category. Perfect. Let's talk about, I think, one of her biggest competitions, and that's Queen Bee Beyonce. Let's talk about Be Alive from King Richard. Let's, uh, do you guys have any opening thoughts on Be Alive? Um, it's, you know, obviously Beyonce is like the biggest name in pop music. And um, anytime that she is going to be associated with something that could win an award, other than a Grammy, apparently, you have to consider that uh, she's going to be a front runner. Everything about this, this movie is a front runner. Well, at least it was a front runner for Best Picture. I don't know if it's still considered that. Will Smith's probably going to win Best Actor for it. This uh, the song is got to be one of the one A or one B candidates for uh, for winning the Oscar because sometimes they will just give it to the biggest name on the board, regardless of the song. Uh, the song itself is good I, I don't know that it's a particularly notable song for beyonce uh, i i mean i've listened to it and it just hasn't stuck with me i mean just on name alone is what would help beyonce win mm-hmm. this award like you yeah. just put her up against anyone and she's just probably like you said the front runner and she has something ridiculous like I, isn't it like 28 grammys it's something absurd like she's i think now one of the the three or four most awarded Grammy award winners ever. And I think something like that only helps her in this instance, because she's just like unstoppable and untouchable when it comes to a lot of these award shows and you see her name and she's almost like, I think like Adele where Adele is nominated for any award. And it's like, okay, it's just Adele is going to win. Especially the ones ones that Beyonce should win. Adele's going to win. Yes, it's true. (laughs) Well, it's shockingly, Beyonce has never been nominated for an Oscar before, too. So they've never had an opportunity to give her this and award. They, lo- they, lo- they love to do that. I mean, uh, when Kobe Bryant was eligible for best uh, short film, uh, animated short film, I think it was, uh, right. they, they, they gave it to him. And, um, you know, they love to chase names, though not necessarily in a category as big as original song and not when they're up against, you know, comparable names like, Ari- uh, like Billie Eilish or what might've happened if Ariana Grande had been nominated. I think a lot of this is going to depend on Beyonce's star power, like how yeah. much of an impact she has. Cause I actually like the song. It's a good power mm-hmm. ballad. That is it one of the strongest songs in her catalog? No, not, not at all. But I think it just connects enough dots and to make it at least, I think a contender to maybe win, but I think it's going to depend on how the voters react <clears throat> to her name. Because I didn't know the song until it was nominated, honestly. You have to keep in mind that like the people who listen to this aren't the people who like were resp- who vote on this aren't responsible for like the nomination process. So it is going to be a lot of name recognition. And uh, that is going to help a lot, especially in a situation like this, where it's not particularly based on like the success of the movie, but uh, based on like the popularity of the artist. Yeah, one thing I don't like about this category every year is that a lot of the times what's nominated are songs that aren't really in the movie. They're just like end credits songs. Yeah. And two of the three, I would argue this year are really just end credit songs. And this is one of them. So yeah. even though I didn't hate the song, it's my <laughs> least favorite of the nominees because it's unremarkable for Beyonce. Like we yeah. talked about Van Morrison. That sounds like a glory mm. days level of Van Morrison's song. This one sounds like a C-level tiered Beyonce song. 
<laughs> it sounds like a, a, a track that would have gotten cut from the final uh, playlist of uh, Lemonade. Well, you know what's yeah. funny? Do you guys know the story about her writing the song? She actually wrote the song and performed it after she saw the movie, like the final cut. So I think that that's really interesting how, you know, like some of these composers or songwriters or singers, they're like heavily involved while the movie's being made and it's all planned. And this was, it felt very like last minute. It's not last minute, but it just seemed, oh, Beyonce saw the movie. Oh, she kind of liked it. She wants to write a song. And who's going to turn down Beyonce writing and performed a song for them like nobody in their right mind it's like and even something like be alive which actually i really liked for some Mm -hmm. reason but i will say i think that also helps her too in this category because it's based on true story and it has this allure to it and the oscars especially the acting categories (laughs) they tend to really like biopics so it only sort of helps her out too i think in that regard as well yeah we shall see about Beyonce's chances. Let's talk about Somehow You Do. It's a Warren <laughs> song. Because I just want to get this out of the way because <sighs> I don't even know where to start. You both okay. have seen the movie, right? I have seen yeah. the movie, but ironically enough, I sat through this movie, which is possibly the most mediocre movie nominated for an Academy Award this year in all categories. And uh, not terrible, but not notable or anything that I haven't seen a bunch of times, but I watched it on Hulu and then I forgot that I was listening to it, watching it for the song that was nominated for. And that's the only thing it was nominated for. So I actually stopped listening, watching the movie before they played the song in the credits. <laughs> oh my God. Which is yeah. a perfect summary because I, it's, it's not a terrible song. It's actually pretty good, especially by the Diane Warren standard. Cause Oh, some of her nomination nominated songs have been <sighs> pretty terrible, but um, uh, this one is a lot better. Uh, Reba does a great job with it. Um, I, I'm still not sure why the person singing the song isn't also nominated, but it must just be for the songwriter. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a decent song. There's no way in hell it's going to win. <laughs> yeah. This is the only nomination for, Four Good Days, which <laughs> to me, this movie is like Oscar bait because oh, it's yeah. Glenn Close, who plays the <laughs> distraught mother of heroin addicted Mila Kunis. And it's a very serious topic mm. and it's based on an actual like true story that was published in the Washington Post. Uh, but the end product to me just seems like a showcase for acting and trying to get nominations for things yeah. and the um end song again it is good it's reba mcintyre mm-hmm. sings it and but it just it's very generic it's like this uplifting song of trying to overcome obstacles very similar to beyonce so those are the two <laughs> songs i would put at yeah. the bottom of the list they aren't featured in the films themselves they're both end credit songs they both have like a tacked on quality to them and they're just generic i would say all I'm oh, going to go say ahead. is I thought this was Hillbilly Elegy because it seems like it's the same <laughs> freaking movie and the same. No, I'm being serious because like Glenn Close is in and she was nominated for an Oscar last year for that. So I kept reading the descriptions because there's nowhere I could watch this movie. And I don't even know if I want to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it at some point, but it's not like it's on the must see list. <clears throat> but I kept thinking in my head, everything I've heard Peter and Darren talk about, I kept thinking like, is this like the same thing as Hillbilly Elegy essentially? Because well, it deals no, with it's not the same. Well, it, it's Hillbilly Elegy in that they're trying to get Glenn Close, Close an Oscar, but um, it is more akin to Beautiful Boy or some of the other, the, the Timothy Chalamet, um, 
uh, Steve Carell movie about addiction. But uh, this is one of the movies that um, I watch almost all the movie trailers when they come out. And then this is like one movie where I saw the trailer and thought, okay, that's interesting. And then like six months later, it's nominated for an Oscar. And I'm like, when did this movie come out? And it, like it, they snuck it through like a hundred screens nationwide. And then it just kind of fizzled and disappeared. I, I think the, I, the reason why it's nominated is because of the songwriter, Diane Warren. Oh, hundred percent above and beyond to campaign. Like when everybody else sends out like a track for, you know, their nomination, she sends out the sheet music to the, the oh, wow. she I sends out that. the sheet music. That is basically, there's a lot of speculation that that's the reason why she keeps getting nominated over and over again is because she just like goes the extra mile, like a Harvey Weinstein level campaigning in order to get those nominations and try and get that award. And um, she sends out the sheet music and then it seems like, okay, well, this is a professionally written song. This is a, a serious thing that we have to take into account. Whereas, okay, Billie Eilish sent an MP3. Great. Uh, <laughs> it wow. just gives it this gravitas that doesn't attach itself to um, the, the people who don't put forth that much effort. And that's how a mediocre song by Diane Warren from a mediocre to terrible movie keeps getting nominated every single year. Well, Diane Warren is like a hugely impressive mm -hmm. like person. Like if you yes. actually look at her career, her name doesn't have the same cachet as like Beyonce, but she has written like legendary songs for for Beyonce and other like huge artists. So like mm -hmm. if you're in the know, if you're one of those people like selecting what gets nominated for best song, like True. you're well aware of Diane Warren's impact on popular music, even if like the average sure. person watching the broadcast doesn't know that. So is this her 14th nomination then? I think so. If I'm with, not mistaken. This is her 13th. 13th. Okay. Maybe no wins, no wins at all. Like Susan no. Lucci level numbers. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to call her. So Susan Lucci. Well, she's Oscars. also like Glenn Close in a way. Those are two of the biggest Oscar losers yeah. in the same movie. And they're going right. to lose again, probably. Oh yeah. yeah. It's well, Glenn, just, yeah. Glenn didn't even it, get nominated this year. I'll be honest with you too. If this wasn't nominated for best original song, I would never know it existed because right. it just doesn't seem like it's yeah. a movie that's, I, I, would, I had, I had forgotten it by the time that the, uh, the nominations came out. It's like, Oh, what, what? Oh, Diane Warren. Okay. That's, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one was one that just fell down the rabbit hole and I just completely forgot that it ever existed. <laughs> It seems weird just thinking about these nominees for a minute. Like it seems like, cause this is also another ballad that is also nominated just like the one we're going to talk about after this, but also the Beyonce song. It's really interesting how a lot of these are ballads and mm. I don't know. I just, something that just crossed yeah. my mind. Oh, that's pretty typical for the Oscars though. Like ballads yeah. are like the big dramatic gra gravi gravitas laden um, songs that they, that the Academy types absolutely love. So we'll just assume that Diane Warren's probably not going to win and we'll see her next year for her 14th nomination. Yeah. For, <laughs> I don't know, something about a snowman or something. Who knows? It's going to be like one of those, like, like, didn't she get nominated last year for like a religious movie? Uh, yeah. yeah. Breakthrough. Um, breakthrough. Yes. <laughs> it's like, which was last year's had, most mediocre nominee. It had the lady from this is us. Yes. Like, yes. Like a, her son like survived or something. He fell um, through the ice and then he survived because his body went into hypothermia and they were able to revive him. I think it's so. a little bit better than most of those religious type movies that um, 
you know, come out, but uh, it was still like a two and a half, three star movie. Oh best. God, that sounds terrible. I'm just going to throw something out there for Diane, maybe to help her like get an Oscar. I think we need a documentary about Diane Warren trying to win an Oscar. You see her campaign, you give the sheet music, you see her get wow. the CDs, and then you kind of have like the seven up series where it's like every <laughs> like X amount of time you see her. And it's like three years later, she still doesn't win. I if feel what bad if for her. Titled, what uh, if it, she lost for best song for her documentary about her losing <laughs> for best songs? That would sequel. just be so many layers of failure. Sequel. <laughs> No, the, the the movie will be called uh, Diane Warren. Just give me an F and Oscar already. <laughs> oh, I think that that might need to happen for her because I don't know. Like, it just seems like everything she put out, it's just she gets overshadowed by someone else, or it's just I well, don't know. Yeah, it's just. I, I just can I just say she deserved to win for I don't want to miss a thing by right. Aerosmith. Okay, she deserved to win for that. I That's- was just about to say I couldn't think of any time when she deserved to win over the competition, but uh, it's fair. I always that's liked her. And then our my, my girl Gloria Estefan did Music of the Heart or Music of My Heart, which was nominated mm-hmm. in 1999. So I got to give her a shout for that. But beyond that, mm-hmm. it's like a lot of the movies I'm looking at, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Because she did like some of these that are just there. They didn't age well. They were they're not, they're not that great of songs personally. No. Um, but I want that Diane Warren documentary series to happen. Now it has to happen. And you got to hear first that uh, rock and retrospect. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the last song, the um, Miranda song. Um, yeah. Do you guys have thoughts on that song? Yeah. Well, go well ahead, I think it's shocking that, well, it's not shocking in hindsight why they chose the song, but since they released Encanto to the world, uh, Dos Oruguitas, the nominated song, is one of the lesser popular ones. The songs We Don't Talk About Bruno. <laughs> and low pressure or surface pressure those are taking the world by storm with tiktok trends and you know charting higher than any disney musical since like aladdin and this one it's like the ballad it's the big emotional one but Mm -hmm. it's not like one of the more popular songs and i feel like had they gone with we don't talk about bruno they might have won this category and mm-hmm. they might have shot themselves in the foot with this with this choice. Absolutely. The um yeah. Um well I don't think that they actually put the any weight behind any song other than um Dos Guedos. Uh they they definitely called it wrong as far as like mainstream success, but they definitely got the right pick for what the Oscars wants to nominate. Because the Academy Awards wants to nominate the big sweeping ballads, and there's such a story behind this, and it fits so well into the movie as far as like the the tragic um, backstory uh, that sets up the entire story for Encanto. So I think that's why they picked that, and that's usually choice that they make is usually going to be for the uh, the ballad with the gravitas instead of the uh, you know the fun catchy number. So unless it's like a let it go style, just absolute unstoppable banger they're gonna go with like the uh the ballad and um we don't talk about bruno was really a fun song great song in the middle of the movie but uh, it wasn't a huge hit until it got to disney plus which was way too late because that's like right when the voters i mean uh when they already already made the decision about which songs they were going to put up for the short list and they were going to made the decision about which songs are being nominated. So it was just too late and the timing was just completely off. Uh, as far as the song's chances, 
it all comes down to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Absolutely. This would give him the EGOT and he'd be one of the youngest EGOT winners of all time. And um, I think it's going to happen eventually. He's just doing way too much work to not get one in the very near future. But this song seems like a pretty lame way to get it, especially compared to the Moana song that he wrote a few years ago. Right. And he was first nominated for an Oscar for that song you just mentioned. And I thought with Hamilton, as huge as it was at that time, I thought he was going to win that year just because it was just there's so much hype in a way. No, you know what I mean? Like he's going to get an EGOT like he is like born to get an EGOT because like (laughs) they pretty much throw themselves all these award shows at him. He even has a Kennedy Center honor for Hamilton, which built in a lab to win an EGOT. (laughs) Uh, you know with him like i have thoughts on him but we're not Mm. gonna go there but it's just one of those things where it just feels like everything's so manipulated sometimes where it's like oh i'm just gonna do this i'm gonna do that and he just gets all these awards so he's though the curious one for me on this list because i mean beyonce it's the same thing it's the star power and this is a huge movie and i think even the song we don't talk about bruno it's the first really big massive Disney mm-hmm. hit since Aladdin. So no, that has to account let, for let something. Let it go. Let it go. For well, I'm saying on the charts. Go. No, I'm saying on the charts, though. Like, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, uh, I, I mean, I don't think Let It Go was anywhere near the top 10. It's a huge hit in terms of, like, cultural ubiquity. Hmm. But I don't okay. think so. And it's one of those things where I think something like that absolutely matters when you're in the cultural zeitgeist. Okay. Me, this was the... I, I believe it was the highest it's climbed on the charts since Aladdin, although there have been other Disney uh, songs that have, you know, become mm-hmm. big hits. And it's the only Disney film uh, to have more than one uh, song on the top 10 hits at the mm-hmm. same time. Right. Let It Go was number five. I mean, that's still really great, yeah. but I think... Uh, I mean, I, I, cause didn't it hit number one yet or number two? We don't talk about Bruno. It's, it's here. I think she, yeah, Bruno was number one, I think. Yeah. I think maybe the first number one for Disney since a whole new world. I th- hmm. think okay. I'm not a hundred percent sure. And I apologize to if I'm wrong and you're screaming mm-hmm. at your, your phone or computer. Cause you're just like, no, it's not right. Um, but it's, it's, it's still, I think a really important movie for the time and i think it's just so well liked. that's why i think that might help it too i don't know it's just hard to say do you guys have any other thoughts on encanto i love this song i think it's deserving of a nomination but i do think it's one of those unfortunate situations where you have a musical and you can't predict you know what's going to make it big and i think they chose the wrong song to win yeah I think there's still a chance for it to win from like the Disney angle and the Lin-Manuel Miranda angle, but in a year with juggernauts like Beyonce and Billie Eilish, it seems really unlikely. That's what I think too. I think it's kind of like if it was any other year without some of these names, I would say he's the front runner, even if Mm. it's not the quote unquote hit songs that were on that soundtrack, but it just seems like it's so much competition and he's so young too that mm. he's going to get one. It's just, yeah, it's going to be like Diane Warren. It's just like, he's going to get oh. like 15 nominations. No, I'm kidding. We've no, he, no they're never going to make him wait that long, but you no, know, that that's cruel. His songs are a lot better than hers. Or at least the ones that are nominated Ooh. for Oscars. Ooh. At least the ones that are nominated Josh for fired. Oscars. Darren's oh yeah. Oh, Diane Warren's going to come for me. Di- it's Darren's throwing some uh, Diane Warren shade. Don't, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, oh, I'm, the, I'm the first one to think that too. 
you are <laughs> you you got the the cutting edge of the yep. <laughs> Warren fashion. Yeah, these were the Ted nominees for the two categories. So what I wanted to do really quick before we get to our verdict is I wanted to do our personal rankings from do you guys want to do five to one or one to five? Oh, we got to do five to one build up. Of course. Yes. Okay. Let's do that. So let's start with the best original score of rankings. We'll go from five to one. We'll start with Peter and then we'll do Darren and then I'll be the last one. All right. So first of all, for best scores, I actually genuinely loved all of them. So number five doesn't mean I didn't like it. It's just, this is the ranking. Uh, So at number five, I have Parallel Mothers uh, because I thought it was great, but it wasn't like unique. It just kind of felt like a thriller. Number four, I have Power of the Dog, which might be controversial. Number three, I have Encanto. Number two, I have Don't Look Up. And then at number one, I have Dune because if you invent an entire arsenal of instruments (laughs) for your score, I think you deserve an Oscar. What are your rankings, Darren? I would put Parallel Mothers at number five. Encanto at number four, Power of the Dog, number three, Don't Look Up, number two, and number one is Dune. Dune is just like the music is so important to that movie, and uh, it sets the tone and mixes perfectly with all of the other technical aspects of this film, and Dune is one of the best films of the year because of how everything comes together. Those are some excellent rankings so far. Um, mine's a little different from your guys's. Uh, number five was Parallel Mothers. Number four, Dune. Number three, Don't Look Up. Number two, The Power of the Dog. And number one, Encanto. I just love the upbeatness of Encanto. Like That's actually, I think, a score I could go revisit and I would be so overjoyed to hear. And then Power of the Dog, I think given the trajectory of Johnny Greenwood's career, it's just such a masterful score. And if he does win the Oscar for it, it's well-deserved. And I don't know, I just really like that score a lot. Don't Look Up was the one that surprised me because I thought that one I wasn't going to like as much because I didn't remember the score from seeing the movie, but it perfectly fits in cathartic nature. And it's just a really, really, really great one. I had a hard time with the last two because I was like... I didn't see Dune yet, so I'm kind of like, I don't know. So I didn't want to do that as the last one. But Parallel Mothers was probably my least favorite of those. But I will watch Dune, though. I will say that with the Dune score, out of all the ones on this list, even though I ranked it as number one, it's probably my least one that I would revisit listening to Isolated. I think it is so attached to the movie to the point where it blends the line between score and sound effects, I would say. So I would definitely recommend revisiting it after you've seen the movie. I'm definitely going to, because I really like the eighties movie that David Lynch did. And I just really got to check it out. But I think it's also one of those, I think you have to see the movie to kind of fully appreciate. So my ranking of it right now is kind of askew, but (laughs) (laughs) so while we're on that, train of personal rankings we'll do the best original song rankings we'll do the same from five to one i'll go first and then we'll go with darren second and we'll conclude with peter my number five choice was uh somehow you do it just wow it's just i can't believe this movie was nominated for any oscars probably it just doesn't look good um i'm joking (laughs) but um just uh I don't know, just my least favorite of the five. Number four was Encanto. Number three was No Time to Die. Number two, 
be alive from King Richard at number one. I had Down to Joy, the Van Morrison song from Belfast. It's probably so much different than your guys' rankings. And I wrote this down before we recorded. So I don't know. It's just with my rankings, I think with um, Down to Joy, the reason why that was my favorite song was that it felt like it perfectly fit that movie, like the atmosphere and having the Van Morrison songs in the soundtrack that in the movie itself, I thought it added to it. And is it one of his best songs? No, not really, but it's one I liked the most. And then Beyonce, she could do no wrong, probably. And uh, I don't know, I like that song too as a standalone song. But yes, it is probably like a lower tier song of her. So yeah, these I'm actually finding more faults in my logic the more I'm talking. I'm like, I don't know <laughs> if this is making sense, evaluations of it. So, you know, what do you, what are your rankings, Darren? Okay, so I would go with Somehow You Do from Four Good Days at number five. Number four, Down to Joy from Belfast. Number three, Dos Oraguitas from Encanto. Number two, No Time, I'm sorry, Be Alive from uh, King Richard. And number one, uh, Billie Eilish's No Time to Die from No Time to Die. Some interesting rankings. <clears throat> I just think I, I rank them basically according to, you know, basically quality of song. And um, that's what I came up with. That's usually what I do too when I do something like this. Like I go based on what I personally like. And the right. great thing about this exercise too is like we all I mean, see things that, differently. Th- that was this question. The next question is who's going to win? Oh, right. Like that's that's two totally different oh, ends yes. of the spectrum. Yep. Peter? All right. So I might be chased through the town square with pitchforks and torches for making this number five. But the Beyonce song for me was the weakest out of all of them. I'm sorry. That was just my personal opinion. Um, Hashtag and, Peter canceled. <laughs> don't go on Twitter, Peter. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't have a Twitter. So luckily uh, um, I won't uh, be crucified on there. Right. All right. Then number four, I have, sorry, Diane Warren, but somehow you do from four good days, four bad days for Diane Warren. Cause uh, <laughs> it's number four. Then number three, I have the Encanto song. Then number two, I actually have Down to Joy from Belfast, which I had mixed feelings about that movie, but I liked the uh, that song in isolation. I feel like you could hear it on the radio. And then number one, by far, by like a million miles, is No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. That song is epic. I think it's one of the best Bond songs ever written. And it's incredible that she was 18, uh, the youngest Bond performer making one of the best Bond songs ever. Wow. So you both had the same number one and mm-hmm. then me and Darren both had the same number five and Peter's was number four. Ours, so it's pretty ours much is the same number one. I also, I also have her uh, Billie Eilish number one by a long distance. Yeah. It's just interesting when you kind of come up with these rankings and then you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is just my personal opinion. But if I was to vote for a song for best original song, I would have probably a guest vote for the Van Morrison song and you both would vote for the Billie Eilish song. So well, take- music is such a subjective um, experience, right. right? Like unlike, I don't know, cinematography or something like that, that requires a lot of technical skill and you can kind of see that skill on screen with music. It's about how it hits you emotionally and no two people are going to experience that the same exact way. So with me, my last two were, songs that were end credit songs and that always will make me lessen my appreciation for it because i don't know i think to have best original song how it works into the movie is important to me when voting for it right because even the uh down to joy song 
the Van Morrison song in Belfast. That opens the movie. And now that right. you say that, that kind of makes sense because usually you don't stay around for the end credits. Like most people don't, I don't think. I mean, some people do, but. Everyone should. Everyone should, but, you know, most don't. I don't think. I wish it was more socially acceptable to stay during the yeah. credits. Like they didn't, I wish they didn't have the workers with the like yeah. mop bucket, like lingering hey, yeah. in the entryway, waiting for you to leave. I Angrily like to glaring at to you. The score. Angrily glaring at you like you, uh, ate their lunch out of the refrigerator or something but yeah it's like you're not supposed to just rush from one movie to whatever you're going to do next you're supposed to sit there during the end credits and appreciate what you just watch and process it you're supposed to enjoy that you're supposed to like listen to the music that's playing as part of the movie it's even that's... worse with, it's even worse with netflix oh yeah be like a fraction of a second and then it says go to next episode or watch the next mm. movie so there's not enough appreciation for the people that make the things we watch i feel yeah i think it's because something that i always think of as a movie cover my whole life is i always had to like classical like hollywood movies mm-hmm. and the way that they have like the opening and end credits they're very short but you could still watch them even if they're you know right. kind of 30 seconds to a minute but at least mm-hmm. you get to like see like oh like i know that cinematographer or that mm-hmm. composer or however it may be and I always think that that's important to know, yeah. especially when it's like, oh, that looks familiar or that sounds familiar. And you know what? It, it is because it's someone you've seen in your movie going or TV watching ways. So yep. I don't know. I just really think that that's important. That's a lost art that we should mm-hmm. all bring back. Watch the end credits of movies and listen to that whole uh, Diane Ward song <laughs> and Beyonce <laughs> songs in there, the way that they're meant to be seen. Let's let now let's talk about our predictions, who we actually think is going to win the Academy Award for Best Original Score and the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Let's start off with the score category. We'll we'll go with Peter, Darren and then myself. So, Peter, who do you think is going to win Best Original Score? This is tough, but I'm going to go with Dune, which is also my number one. Sometimes you just kind of have to go with your gut. Um, so Hans Zimmer, he's the last time he won was for the Lion King, like, you know, many decades ago at this point. And I think it's time for him to win another award. His name to me is like synonymous with modern movie music. His like brass section in the Inception like trailer, I feel like defines this entire era of movie scores or action movie scores. And with Dune, he did something really, really ambitious and it paid off. And I think um, I can just picture the community of the Academy voters wanting to rally, rally up for another win for Hans Zimmer. It's, I think, the most ambitious score out of this list. And it's the closest equivalent, I would say. Actually, no. There's there's some popular movies on here, like Don't Look Up and Encanto. But Dune um, was sort of this bridge between the art house movies and the sort of big action spectacle. And I don't know, I can just picture it winning. So that's what I'm going to go with. Who do you think is winning, Darren? I just wanted to note that it has been 28 years since The Lion King first came out, in case anybody wanted to feel old. Um, (laughs) Hans Zimmer is going to win again. Um, I I don't think it's even close, honestly. I, I would be surprised if anybody other than him won for Dune. I think Dune is going to win a lot of the technical awards 
which ironically enough are now not even going to have like the full presentation at the Academy Awards because they're all going to be pushed off and like edited into a segment that airs during the Academy Awards instead of something that happens live. But um, yeah, you know, take the, one of the biggest movies of the year and give it all of its awards in private. Brilliant move. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think that it's bigger and more notable than uh, any of the other soundtracks. And maybe the only other scenario I see is if Power of the Dog just like sweeps and wins like eight or nine Oscars, and that this kind of just gets swept up in the tidal wave. That actually perfectly transitions to my prediction because I'm actually going to go with Power of the Dog winning this category. And the reason why is exactly the scenario that you just said because I think. It's going to win Best Picture. It's going to win Best Director. It's going to win probably Best Screenplay. It's probably going to win Best Supporting Actor. It could even upset Will Smith for Best Actor. It's very possible. Mm -hmm. And I think in this way of thinking, I think a score like Johnny Greenwood's Mm -hmm. for Power Dog could absolutely attach itself to that momentum and win. And, you know, I could see Dune winning, but it just feels like the momentum for this year's Oscars has been all power the dog it seems and yeah. i would and i and i would think just looking at it from more of like a perspective like a music fan mm-hmm. like a rock music fan i think it's going to be very hard to like look past them not want to honor say another notable musician to have a sure. prestige even if it's you know like i mean he is very famous because he's in radiohead mm-hmm. it's not tom york but it's still like a member of one of the biggest rock bands the last three decades so that yeah. allure only helps them too so i'm i'm actually predicting power of the dog to win but i think dune is the second most likely it's also really notable that johnny greenwood had three oscar caliber scores this year so right. there's also the factor that they might give it to him as like kind of a a group achievement for all three of those combined might get a lot of votes. Absolutely. That's why I think the momentum for his work, not only this year and other projects, but over the last decade and a half doing really incredible work with like Paul Thomas Anderson, who's nominated this year for licorice pizza, um, his, his movie, like for direction and all, all those awards. But I don't know. I just feel like it's his year, but I'll be happy to see Zimmer one. He it's absolutely insane that he's only won one academy award in a legendary career yeah come on get your act together oscar voters uh (laughs) let's do our uh predictions for the uh best original song we'll start with peter darren and then i'll go last all right well i don't know if this is a mistake but i'm also going again with my number one uh personal pick as well uh i think no time to die will win uh there might be some nerves about choosing it because it was released so long ago that it might not have stayed in voters minds but i think there's already uh, a precedent for this winning awards by winning the grammy and i think billy eilish she's like the sort of new kid on the block who uh everyone wants to heap awards on and she's just this incredible you know, up and coming artist that a lot of people respect. Um, she's not like the, you know, teen artist of the week or something. I think people really deeply respect her musicianship and what she's bringing. And, you know, obviously with James Bond songs, there is a precedent for those winning as well. So I think the writing is on the wall to use Sam Smith's title of his winner. I think No Time to Die is going to win. Love it, Peter. I love the incorporating other Oscar winning Bond songs into your 
argument. Jared, who are you predicting? I think it's going to be Billie Eilish as well. Um, I just think the song is huge and it is the best of the five nominees. And I think that it has the momentum. And, uh, you know, I, I just think that like the Beyonce song isn't good enough that uh, she could win on the merit of the song and that uh, she has to rely on name recognition. But at this point, Billie Eilish and Beyonce's name recognition kind of cancel each other out. So I think it was going to come down to the better song. I think for me, I kept going back and forth with what I want to predict because I think I agree totally with you both that no time to die has the momentum. It's won a Grammy. It was a top 20 hit. It was a number one hit, but it was a top 20 hit here in the U.S. And I just think it's riding on this momentum that she's had over the last three or four years. Uh, So I will predict her, but I'm going to give a scenario that could help someone else. I think what could happen, and this is just like weird logic, but I think it's plausible, is that the voters could split on the Beyonce and Billie Eilish songs, and then someone else would emerge. I think that's very possible in this scenario too. So if that happens, I think something like Encanto or Belfast could easily upset them just because I could see the voters being like, oh, beyond team Beyonce or team Billy. And then someone else kind of crosses over the fish line, but who team knows? And Morrison, I doubt it. <laughs> I actually think it's possible he could win, but you know, I I'm predicting Billy Eilish too, because mm-hmm. I just think that that's the safe bet with its notoriety. And it's a song I've actually heard beyond the movie. I think that's the only song on this list that people yeah. would recognize besides just what's nominated as well. And that, that helps yeah. a lot. That's uh-huh. what I, that that's kind of sort of the reason why I was thinking mm-hmm. of that song too. Like I could take it out of the context and know it, even if I didn't see the Bond movie, which I, of course I saw the Bond movie because I like James Bond movies, but uh, that movie also got a lot of nominations this year. Kind of surprisingly, it was nominated for, uh, visual effects and I think best sound as well. So it got some of those, you know, below the line categories um, as well. So there is love for the Bond movie. It's not like the Four Good Days where it's just song is representing the whole movie. Like there actually is like love for this action movie. Whoever wins this category, it's going to depend on their star power. I feel like because all five of the nominees all have star power behind them in different ways, and I just feel like it's just going to be dependent on how the voters react. To them. But if I had to pick one, it would probably be Billie Eilish to win. But I could also see Beyonce winning, and I could also see a split of the vote. We'll see how it works out. I mean, mm-hmm. and plus, it, I think the Oscars also want to honor someone who's like only 20 years old with an Academy Award. I think that's also something that they want to make history, too. And if they mm-hmm. do, like, she would have to be one of the youngest people in that category, if not the youngest, right? Probably. Those were excellent predictions. So just to recap, Peter and Darren think that Dune is going to win Best Original Score, and I'm going with Power of the Dog, and all three of us are going with No Time to Die to win Best Original Song. So what about snubs? Yes. Let's conclude with that. So let's talk about some snubs that we thought maybe should have gotten consideration. Do we want to start with score? Sure. So I'm going to go off of the short list because I mean, there's just an infinite number of movies and I don't really follow score that closely. But uh, when I look at the list off of the short list for snubs for original score, the ones that stand out to me are the French dispatch, 
Yes. And the Green Knight and Spencer. Those are the three that stand out the most to me. I'm absolutely stunned that the French Dispatch did not get any nominations for the, this year's Academy Awards. I think it's just a movie that needed to come out last year when they had a lot of momentum. Uh, it's a great movie, but um, as far as Wes Anderson movies go, he's done better. And um, it's kind of a scattershot movie, so I can see how it could happen. Uh, the Green Knight, I mean, it's just too indie. I mean, it's got a great score and a great does a lot of things unique that um, that I, you just really don't see a lot in um, today's movies or filmmaking. The style is fantastic, and the score is a huge part of that. And then Spencer is just a different take on the uh, Johnny Greenwood uh, score. And I think that it was either going to be Power of the Dog or Spencer. And uh, they decided to go with Power of the Dog because the Academy Awards, they just like that more. I mean, it got to the point in the awards season where it was actually a surprise that Kristen Stewart even got nominated for Spencer. And she probably had the performance of the year. I have three snubs that uh, two of which you've already mentioned. But I thought one of the best scores of the year was The Green Knight because they made it sound like because it's this sort of indie medieval fantasy based off of the old story. And they recorded it to sound like medieval times. It was incredible. uh, The sound that they got. It's so like eerie and it's transports you completely like uh so i would highly recommend listening to that and the green knight didn't get nominated for anything it didn't get nominated for cinematography even though i think it's one of the best looking fantasy movies ever made yeah that one i feel like it was just too indie it didn't have the you know machine behind it to market it like a king richard with you know will smith money and all that stuff is it an um, a24 movie so that kind of makes sense Besides Moonlight, A24 has not had good luck at the Oscars. They make good movie after good movie and Mm -hmm. so, so much snubbage going on. It's like uh, one of my favorite movies of last year was Sean Baker's Red Rocket, an A24 movie. Absolutely. And Sean Baker snubbed all the time Mm -hmm. for the Florida Project as well. Simon Rex for Best Lead Actor. Yeah, A24 just, I don't know what it means. as far as the, the major indies go, uh, Neon is kicking A24's ass when it comes to campaigning for the Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. Well, I was also going to mention Spencer. But one score that wasn't on the best score shortlist for the Oscars, that was my number one score of last year, was actually a Disney movie called Raya and the Last Dragon ah, yeah. from James Newton Howard, who mm-hmm. is another legend in the industry. And that is just an amazing score and it's very fantasy based and it's epic and sweeping. It's sort of Disney's take on an epic fantasy adventure sort of film. And it wasn't even considered that movie kind of just, it was released once the pandemic was sort of at its high and Mm -hmm. it got dumped on Disney plus and not a lot of people saw it, but that has an incredible uh, score to it. So I just wanted to point that out. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to check that out. Agreed. You guys mentioned all the scores I was going to mention. The French Dispatches one just astonishes me that that didn't get a nomination because hmm. that just seemed like it was ripe for a nomination. Alexander Desplat. Right. There was it's, one year he was nominated twice in the same yeah, year. Right. Yeah. It's just it's strange. It's astonishing. And then I met, and I wrote down Spencer because I did think that that was a wonderful score and it would have given Greenwood a second mm-hmm. nomination in that same yes. category. The only one that I would add that I thought was worthy of a nomination was the tragedy of Macbeth. Mm. But beyond that, you guys hit 
all the high points of the scores <laughs> category. Um, let's That's what do, we do. Hey, we, we only knock it out of the park on this podcast. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some sno- song snubs. I'll go first because I feel like you guys are going to take all the ones that I'm going to mention. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to mention two. And then I I'll have you two guys... as well. Oh, shoot. They um, might be the same too. I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's Here I Am singing my way home from the movie Respect. It's Carol King. That's the reason why, because Carol King's this legendary icon and she was just inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year. And even when I went to the ceremony and Darren was there too, they were promoting the holy hell out of that movie in the in, in the, her acceptance speech and introducing Jennifer uh, Hudson in like on stage performing a song at the ceremony. So it just seemed like a movie song that would easily be nominated because of course we got to give Carol King an Oscar. She should get one because she's amazing and we love Carol. Uh, but it just seemed like a kind of song that I thought the Academy would nominate. The only other one, it's because it's one of my favorite movies of last year and it's the best picture nominee. It's Coda and it's the song Beyond the Shore, which I love it. I'm like, why was this not nominated? We'll take that over Diane Warren any day of the week. <laughs> oh, that Coda song where she's singing in her audition. I think there is no single musical moment of last year that's more like emotional and important to the story of the film. It's literally the climax of the movie. And the fact that that was not nominated to me says that really it is just the names attached to the songs that people are voting on, like Beyonce, like in the credit song from Beyonce. I mean, to compare that to Coda, where the song was literally like the entire arc of the character rests on the song and it's sung beautifully and it's like meaningful to the story. How that wasn't nominated kind of is everything that's wrong with how the Oscars are voted on, in my opinion. A hundred percent. Because I've, that was my favorite song of probably all the best song nominees even included. And I just thought it was incredible for music, for, for a movie that's about music. That's what drives me kind of crazy. Like, and and it's such a groundbreaking movie. And and I just think for a movie about music, it just seems like a no brainer. I don't get it. But those are my two choices because I know you guys are going to have other amazing choices. Uh, Darren, what are a few that you think stand out? Peter, did you just have one song listed in yours? Yeah, because you mentioned Coda. Uh, The other one that I have is from the movie Annette. That was produced by the Sparks Brothers Band, and they opened the movie on this sort of epic one-take shot called So May We Start, and it's this really intricate sort of one-take sort of shot, and all the actors are singing, and it's very joy-filled, and it's sort of like, let's put on a show, and especially because Edgar Wright's documentary on the Sparks Brothers uh came out recently and that was like you know a lot of people love that and sort of sparks is sort of in the cultural conversation right now i was surprised not to see it nominated and again especially for a song that plays an important role in the actual film and not just an end credits song that was legit the third song i wrote but i only wanted to go with two because i had a feeling that one of you two were going to mention the uh, annette song that sparks did which is incredible that's another one i was like i wish i would have seen that because at least they're like adventurous and they're different and you know what I mean? At least it's something that's not like a ballad. I know. Mm -hmm. So 
So, Darren, what are some of the shortlisted songs that you think stood out to you? Okay. Um, well, obviously, uh, Sparks. So maybe we start from Annette. I, I don't think Annette was ever going to get nominated for anything. Uh, Leo's Carroll's movie. It's just a very, very strange, weird movie. And I never thought that Sparks really had a chance of getting nominated. It's just not what the Academy does. Uh, they they very rarely take any kind of risks as far as like artsy, uh, art rock type music. So uh, uh, but I think it's probably my favorite song of all of the ones on the list. And uh, maybe my favorite song, movie song from uh, 2021. I think it's an amazing song. Uh, I also had um, uh, Beyond the Shore from Coda. I actually, I did not much care for Dare Evan Hansen, like anyone else who saw it. But uh, the song, The Anonymous Ones, I thought was a very good addition to it and uh, really added a lot to um, to the film. I also had uh, Guns Go Bang from The Harder They Fall, which is one of the better Netflix movies to come out in recent years. I think it's a great song. It fits the tone of the movie perfectly. And Just Look Up, the Ariana Grande movie from Don't Look Up. This is like the type of song that would only be nominated if it was going to be, uh, if they're going in a direction like when they nominated Blame Canada from the South Park movie. It is. It had a very good chance of getting nominated. A lot of people thought it was going to be in their final five, but uh, just based on star power, plus also it's a fun song. But again, when it comes to like fun songs and novelty songs and like comedy songs, the Academy usually chickens out when it comes time to uh, to actually honor them, and they go for the more serious ballad route. Can I make one last? It wasn't a snub because it would never in a billion trillion years be on the Academy's radar. But uh, one sort of genre of film that us in America, Hollywood and all that, don't tend to focus on is Bollywood movies. And last year I watched this Bollywood movie called Master and it has this huge epic dance sequence in it called Vathi Coming. And if you Mm. see this on YouTube, it has like millions upon millions of views. It's this epic amazing song and all it is is just this mundane scene of a guy waking up and going to class because he's a professor and he's late but they like got what looks like hundreds upon hundreds of extras and it's this very percussion heavy song and I feel like there's a whole world of like music and Bollywood movies that wouldn't even be considered to be nominated for best song unless you know a more you know Eurocentric director like Danny Boyle <laughs> does Slumdog Millionaire, yes. then it gets nominated. But oh, like, yeah. there's a whole industry of this amazing music that I feel like I'm personally not exposed to as often as I probably should because some amazing songs come out of there. Oh, absolutely! They had their, they had their Bollywood phase in 2007, and they moved in 2008, and then they moved on. <laughs> I actually I agree with you, Peter, that I wish that they kind of looked beyond Hollywood or North American movies, which is why I was kind of happy to see the Encanto song nominated, because it's at least them branching out a little to go to and Disney? beyond that. All the way to Disney? No, oh no, I'm just saying like <laughs> oh, I know, the point I know of representation is 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 really <laughs> what matters yeah. here. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just I agree with you. I wish they kind of looked beyond that. Especially something like Bollywood, where it's so musically intertwined into the movies Mm -hmm. and the stories that they tell. So that's an excellent point to make. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for coming Mm -hmm. on the podcast. It was really, really a joy to talk to the two of you. And I know you guys love movies too. So Mm -hmm. it was a, hopefully a fun discussion for our listeners. Definitely. Now, Peter, where could they find you either on social media or on, I don't know, multimedia platforms? Well, 
I you can find me on YouTube. I actually have like a movie review channel called Talking the Talkies. Uh, so you can find me on there talking about different movies and stuff. Also, I have joined TikTok. And I have, I think it's under Peter Waters 3 is my screen name because Peter Waters 1 and 2 already taken. I had to settle with 3. And actually every day I'm reviewing an album from Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Metal Albums of all time. And so I'm counting that down and just, I don't know why, but it's a music podcast. So I'll promote it here. Why not? Yes, Peter's YouTube reviews are amazing. I highly recommend them. And he always makes them so entertaining and informative. It's amazing. Where could they find you on social media, Darren? Uh, you can find me at um, H-I-N-E-S-D-2-4 on Twitter. Uh, I currently have my director's poll, which was kind of reaching the end stages of induction into the Film Directors Hall of Fame, as we're two directors who mostly debuted in the 21st century now. I'm also counting down my 100 favorite movies of all time. I started that on January 1st and be posting a new one every day until it's done. And um, I'm on uh, Letterboxd. I believe it's Heinze24, H-I-N-E-S-Y-2-4. If you want to read my movie reviews before I post them on Twitter. And you also are going to be doing, I think sometime later this month, because we're going to have this episode probably released sometime in mid-March. You're going to have your favorite movies of last year, right? You're going to reveal that? Yep. Uh, I am going to begin calculating that two weeks before the Academy Awards. And then the week of the Academy Awards, I'm going to be uh, releasing 15 to 20 per day until I get to the top one to number one. It'll be the top 100 movies of 2021. I'm only counting the movies that are eligible for the 2022 Oscars. So great movies from last year, like The Father and Judas and the Black Messiah, which technically came out in 2021 will not be on this upcoming list. They were on last year's list. So it's something to look forward to that relates to our topic today. So definitely check that out. Of course, you guys can follow the uh, podcast Twitter account, which is at Rock and Retropod. And you can also follow me on my personal account, which is at Nick D. Bambach. <clears throat> Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We need reviews for listeners to discover the podcast and know all the wonderful content that we create and the great guests that we could get for every episode. So let us know what you think. It was an absolute pleasure to have both Darren and Peter come back for a second appearance and hopefully there's a third not too far away. Thank you to our listeners for checking out this episode and we'll talk to you later.